Another paradox I say a lot is living will kill you. That's truth, right? The longer we live, the closer we get to death's door. Every day we're one day closer. But listen, Jesus said dying will let you live. Dying is what gives you life. Jesus gives us the real paradox that says you will never live until you die. We all want to hang on to life and the life we've got, amen? Most everything we do every day is an attempt to hang on to life. Just think about it. We live and do everything we do in a day so that we might live another day. Welcome to the Calhoun Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Mark Abney. In this soul-enriching episode, immerse yourself in the transformative teachings of Brother Mark Abney, delving into Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, his sermon, You Will Never Live Until You Die, challenges and inspires us to explore the profound meaning of true life found in surrender. Tune in to absorb the wisdom, reflect on the scripture, and let the message resonate in your heart. Subscribe now for more insightful sermons and reflections on our faith journey. And now, Brother Mark. Eighth chapter, finishing up the eighth chapter, verses 31 through 36. I've entitled this message, You'll Never Live Until You Die. You'll Never Live Until You Die. Mark 8, beginning in verse 31. Would you stand with me as we read out of the Word of God? And He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. After three days rise again. And He said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, your word always does work. It is the truth, and we lift it up as the truth this morning. We stand on it. Lord, we say that your word is everything we need. And we thank you for it. We thank you that we can own it. We thank you that we can read it freely. And Lord, I pray that we would. I pray that we would open it daily, multiple times. I pray that we would adhere to its, its truth and its precepts and, Lord, its doctrine. I pray that we would stand on it and not move from the right or the left, but we would stay 
write on what your word says. Lord, I pray that we would defend your word with love. Lord, your word makes us alive. It quickens us. It's everything we need for daily living. It's the roadmap of life. And Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for dying for us that we might have life. And that when we choose life, we die to self. And Lord, we thank you that as we die, you give us life and life everlasting. All these things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. And the church said, you may be seated. You'll never live until you die. Some days I feel really close to God. Like I'm walking stride for stride right in his steps. But then there's other days when I think I'm a little bit out of step with God. How about you? Amen. You ever get like that? You know, some days you, you just think that you're right in the center of God's will and everything is going well and, and you're moving along with what God wants you to do and you keep moving and you keep going. The next day comes, the next day comes. And then all of a sudden you kind of find out that maybe you've been walking in a different pattern. You've been walking in the wrong direction a little bit. Well, here in our text, Peter tries to tell Jesus how he's going to save the world and Jesus rebukes him sharply. But just a few verses before, if you remember, Peter had giving a, given a perfect answer to the question that Jesus asked. He asked him, he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he said, you have answered correctly, Simon Peter. And upon that confession, I'll build my church. Upon the confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus builds the church. Amen? That's the confession of faith that it takes to have life. But now we see Peter being rebuked sharply by Jesus. He, he commended Peter in the, in the answer before, but and he said, Blessed are you, Peter, upon that confession. I'll build my church. But now... He's, he's, he says, you are wrong, and he says, get behind me, Satan. For you are not thinking according to the ways of God, but you're thinking according to the ways of man. You do not have in mind the things of God. You do not know the will of God, nor are you following his will. You're not listening to me and you're not doing the things that I want you to do and get rid of those fleshly thoughts and try to think things according to my word and my way. So how did Peter go from being a saint a few minutes ago to an evil one in the span of a short time? The same way you and I do it. The one moment we're thinking spiritually and the next moment carnally. I don't know about you, but I battle the flesh every day. And if you're honest, you do too, amen? It's a continuous struggle and it's real. Peter and the disciples have been waiting for the day when Jesus would make his move. When he would revolt on the powers that be. 
And if he's really Christ, the Son of God, well, then it's only a matter of time. But how could Jesus make anyone's life better by dying? That was Peter's thought. How are you going to die and help us? How are you going to die and be the Messiah, the Christ? Jesus' proposal for dealing with life's woes seem exactly opposite to the way you and I think. Amen? But here Jesus tells us simply, I want you to follow me. Then if you die, you can live. You must give up striving for what you want in life and kill the flesh and do what I want you to do. You see, you will never live until you die. You will never have life everlasting until you die to self and live for Christ. In Galatians 5, 16 through 26, it says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Here in this text, we see the formula given by God on how to die so that we might live. We must think and do what the Holy Spirit teaches and directs us to do and not what we want to do. What we want to do is the flesh, and what God wants to do is of the Spirit, and these are opposed to each other. He gives us this laundry list of thoughts and actions of the flesh, actions and, and he gives us a laundry list of thoughts and actions of God. He says the flesh desires sexual immorality. The flesh desires impurity and sensuality. The flesh desires idolatry and sorcery and enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the things like these. That's quite the laundry list, but isn't that just like the world? Isn't that the world that we see out there with his fleshly nature living according to what one loves and wants, according to the flesh? However, God desires love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And the only way we can live with these qualities is if we kill the flesh. You see, we'll never live unless we die. Jesus talks about using the soul, about the soul using the Greek word psyche. 
The NIV first translates this as life in verse 35, but then it switches to soul in verse 36 and 37. But in the original, it's the same word throughout. It's psyche. Jesus is concerned about your soul, about my soul about that mysterious, undeniable, spiritual center of who we are and who He marvelously created. If Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, is the creator of who we are, of our psyche, then who knows better than Him how we ought to act and how we ought to behave? Who would know better than Jesus how you and I roll? Do you know what a paradox is? A paradox. Paradox is a contradictory action or thought process that runs contrary to reason but produces a desired result. That's kind of complex, isn't it, when you think about it? It goes against all reason, but it ends up producing the result that you want. It's like catch-22. Have you ever heard that phrase, catch-22? A situation in which someone is in need of something that can only be had if they are in need of something. Kind of a paradox. Socrates said, I know that I know nothing. That's kind of a paradox. In working with soils, I always said this to people who would help me with soils and stuff. It says, the more I know about soils, the less I know about soils. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, the more we know about this world that we're created in to try to understand that God created, the more we know about it, the more we know we don't know. Amen? And that's a paradox. Another paradox I say a lot is living will kill you. That's truth, right? The longer we live, the closer we get to death's door. Every day, we're one day closer. But listen, Jesus said dying will let you live. Dying is what gives you life. Jesus gives us the real paradox that says you will never live until you die. We all want to hang on to life and the life we've got. Amen? Most everything we do every day is an attempt to hang on to life. Just think about it. We live and do everything we do in a day so that we might live another day. Because this is the life we know, right? I think if we really knew about the life to come, if we, I mean, we read about it and everything, we've just never experienced it. But if we ever experienced it, I know some people who have experienced it and have been brought back to life, they, they, they say, oh man, <laughs> you, you need to go and experience that because that is a great place. But if we, I think if we ever experienced that life, that, that is life everlasting with God forever in heaven, that we wouldn't hang on to this life as hard as we do. It's just because this is the life we know. Nobody wants bankruptcy or despair or isolation or illness or death or to be without a Harley. Amen. And these are things we all try to avoid. Amen? We all love living 
or we wouldn't be here. We all enjoy a good laugh. We all pursue good food. By the way, my wife and I got to pursue some good food last Friday with my brother up in Warrensburg. There's a Cajun place up there that was, mm, it was really good. We pursue good food. We love, we live, we work so that we can see and enjoy all of God's creation. We feel satisfied when we've done a job well. We'd give almost anything to keep watching our children and our grandchildren grow up and live according to God's ways. We're intrigued by the next new thing, amen? The next new computer technology, the next new car, the next new everything new, new. We're intrigued and, and we're wondering what that's going to be like and we think about the future and the things to come. We even get a thrill when we ride a Harley. And we don't want that life to end, which is why Jesus predicts his own death. Peter tries to talk Jesus out of it. He says, don't talk that way. You're the Messiah. You've got to save us so that we can have this, this life according to what God has told us. You're the Messiah. And you're the Savior of the world. And Jesus calls Peter Satan and tells him to go, Opismo mal. Opismo mal. Get behind me. Y'all can take that and go out and uh, if you want people to walk behind you, just say, Opismo mal. <laughs> then in the very next verse, Jesus says that if anyone wants to Opismo mal, if anyone wants to follow me. They need to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. They need to die to flesh in order to live for Christ. There are two ways to get behind Jesus. One way would be keep hanging on to the flesh and living your life in a way that Jesus would say, get behind me, Satan. You see, the, the first would be the last, and the last will be the first. Amen? To everyone who tries to save their life, Jesus says they will lose it. That's a conundrum or a paradox. The other way to get behind Jesus is to die to self and live for him, to follow him, to be behind him as one of his followers, to lay down your life and what you want and pick up what Jesus wants and live according to him. Jesus has a plan for your life that is life abundantly. So you're either behind Jesus all the way or you're way behind Jesus. <laughs> Another paradox. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. You see, when you crucify your flesh and you give your life to Christ, he gives you life and life everlasting. If you're willing to die to self, to release your fierce grip on your own life, then you can get behind Jesus and follow him as a disciple. But if not, 
you're still going to be behind Jesus because he's the king of kings. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're back there as a follower, then you first died so that you were given a gift of eternal life. And if you end up back there because you've decided to live your life that way, then you die eternally and you will never experience life abundantly or eternally. In our text, Jesus had admitted to being the Christ, the Messiah who could save the world. The disciples were no doubt thrilled to have their suspicions confirmed that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the one who was predicted to come all through the Old Testament. And now he's here among us. And I'm sure they were overly excited to learn and for him to confirm that truth. And after Jesus confirms that he's the Savior of the world, he tells his disciples how to follow him. He says, if any one of you want to follow me, you have to lay down your life and pick up your cross and follow me. You see, you have to die to self in order to follow Jesus Christ. You can't have it both ways. You can't live for yourself and live for Christ. Until you say, Jesus is Lord, until you say, God, I give you my life through Jesus Christ who died for me, who laid down his life for me, you will never have life because you have to give up your life in order to get life. You have to die in order to live. When you lay down your life to follow Jesus, he gives you a cross to bear. Now, all our crosses have some similarities. All our crosses say that you and I are to pick them up and go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to teach the saints, to disciple them, to do what God has called us to do. Amen? But then all our crosses have differences. Not all of us are called to be preachers, but some are called to be teachers. Some are called to do other ministries. Some are called to work and celebrate recovery. Some are called to children's ministry. Some are called to the food ministry. Some are called to whatever ministry that Jesus gives you as your cross. That's the cross you pick up and carry. And you don't pick up other people's crosses because they're shinier, because they look better, or they're lighter. You pick up the cross that Jesus gave you to carry. That's your cross. And you carry that cross until he tells you to lay that cross down and pick up a different cross. But until then, you keep carrying the cross that he's called you to carry. You see, even the church, even the church has to die in order to have life. If the church don't die, God will remove the candlestick from the church and the church will die. It will have no life. We are called to carry the cross till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. Just carry your cross. Don't lay it down. Don't pick it up someone else's cross. Just pick up your cross and carry it as long as Jesus tells you to carry it. You'll never live until you die. 
So there is no profit in becoming the richest, most popular, most smartest person in the world if you never die to self. In fact, you can't even love another person until you die. All you can do is love yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, I am not... And I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't love, I gain nothing. You cannot have the love of God that this verse speaks about until you die to self. You see, the love of God is only comes when we die. And then he places his love in us. And then we have the love of God in us that lives through us and manifests itself that others might see his love in us. They'll know we are Christians by what? By our love. By our love. We love one another, but we love everybody because Christ loved us first, right? And that's how they find Christ. You cannot have the love of God that this verse speaks of until you die to self. You have to die to the flesh in order to receive the love of God and have the love of God in you. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. The greatest act of love is laying down one's life for someone else. And no one had any more love than Jesus Christ who laid down his life for everybody. Every person that was ever born, every person that would ever be born, Jesus died for them. He laid down his life. A few in our congregation have laid down their life for us here in America as they served our country. That's great love. And we appreciate and honor that love as they went into the service and laid down their life for us. But nobody loved anybody more than Jesus because Jesus laid down his life for everybody. You love others by dying to self. In marriages, in friendships, and being co-workers, being brothers and sisters of Christ in the church, how do we love one another? By denying what we want in order that we might give others what they need. That's the love of God. And we cannot deny what we want until we have died to the flesh. We have to be crucified with Christ. God is love and love is evidenced by God in you. And if you don't have love in you, you are not of God. That's not my word. That's God's word in John. You know you're a Christian because you're able to love others. That's how we love our enemies. That's how we bless them to curse us. That's how we love one another in the body. And that God builds up in the body that same love. God loved us before we ever 
loved him. We were enemies with God before Jesus died and before we died to flesh and accepted Jesus as our Lord. Then we were able to love. Would you stand and pray with me? Father God, this morning, maybe someone has heard these words and they confess that they've never died to self. They've never given up control over their own life in order to let you live through them. And this morning, they can experience this life, this life that is the best life we can live on earth and the, a life that lasts forever with God, an abundant life. And it comes by dying to self. And the way we do that is we say, Jesus, I believe that I have sin in my heart and I know that you died for me and my sin. And I want you to take my sin away from me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and make me white as snow. And I want you to live inside of me and I want you to be Lord of my life. Lord, I kill myself. I die to flesh in order that you might live in me. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me and thank you for giving me life and life abundant. And if you prayed that simple prayer this morning, you received the Holy Spirit who now lives in you. And you received the love of God in the Spirit. Now the love of God is in you and you have life. Life abundant. Life everlasting. We thank you, Lord, for dying for us that we might have this life. And Lord, many times we, we try to grab back our old flesh, our old life, and live it. But Lord, I pray that we would just let go and let you have control. Let you have control of our life. Let you have control of the church. Let you have control of everything that is going on. That you might, that your will might go forth. Lord, we repent of every way that we've went apart from you. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness. And Lord, we pray that you would manifest yourself in our lives and in our church, that we might see you high and lifted up and glorified that you might draw others to this place. Lord, help us to continue to be the beacon that shares the truth of your word here in this place in Calhoun, that people might know that you're alive, that people might know that you have everlasting life, that people might know that you're the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Christ. Lord, help us to boldly Stand upon that truth. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and your way during this invitation time. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You'll be singing page...
317 only pray. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. Our prayer is that if you are touched by this message, that you will respond with action. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, we ask that you pray the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life, but I believe that you died and rose from the grave to make me a new creation and to prepare me to dwell in your presence forever. Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, forgive my sins, and save me. I am now placing my trust in you alone for my salvation, and I accept your free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with us today, then you know that you are truly saved. We'd love to hear from you so that we might connect in a meaningful way, encouraging you to be active in the local church, and share the same saving message of Jesus Christ. Please feel free to contact our pastor, visit our church, or find a Bible-believing local congregation near you. However you respond, please let us know. 